0: Hello, you are listening to Intuit from Vulture and New York Magazine. I'm Sam Sanders, and we have, let me say, a great episode for you all today because one of my favorite writers is my guest this episode. She's going to play a little game with us first on some news of the week, but then we're going to just talk about her book. Come on in the room. Tell folks who you are. I'm so happy you're here.
1: (laughs) I am so happy to be here, Sam. It's the Sam and Sam show. I
0: love it. I love it. Yes. (laughs) I should say your name now because I haven't yet. Samantha Irby, author, TV writer, comedian, owner of a bad pandemic dog, (laughs) chronically funny. She's here and I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I must tell you, we'll talk more about the book in a bit, but... I have been reading it for the last few weeks um, at night as I'm like getting into bed. It's like part of my wind down routine, which is my favorite way to read a book. It's just like Zen setting. But there have been several nights where I have to like stop myself from laughing so loud that I wake up the very kind man sleeping next to me. Like your book is that funny? (laughs) There have been several close calls where I'm like, stop laughing stop it! it's so good
1: that means so much to me that is the highest praise the like i don't want to wake my man up praise of course i mean just thank you yes. and sorry to
0: him he <laughs> will be fine he will be fine listeners stay tuned <laughs> the book is funny our chat about the book is going to be funny it's so so good but first can i have you play a game with me Yes. Okay.
1: I'm so bad at games and I'm a sore loser. So this should be great.
0: Will you be sore if you lose to yourself? Because you're the only contestant.
1: Yes. I hate (laughs) myself the most. So
0: yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think you'll win either way. The game is called Into It, Not Into It. It's very simple. I share some pop culture stories from the week, and you just tell me whether you're into these stories or not, and explain why. Okay. At the end, I will tell you if you won or lost based on how much (laughs) I like your opinions. (laughs) Okay, good. To start, Samantha Irby, are you into, or not into, the new Fast and Furious film, which is out now. I
1: would say I'm into it despite having fallen off somewhere around like the fifth one, but I saw the trailer with Jason Momoa Mm. in it and like a plane picking up a car or something. (laughs) And that is the kind of shit I go to the movies to see. Maybe this is the end, but you know what? I smell magic. I don't want to see any sensitive love stories. I want to see a plane throwing a car (laughs) into another car. So yes, into it, deeply.
0: I just love how tacky and nonsensical this whole thing has become. Like there was one of these films, maybe two or three back, where Tyrese and Ludacris... Hot wire an old sports car and fly it to space to like destroy a bomb. <laughs> Remember that? <one>? What? <laughs> yes. Way out of space!
1: Told you numbers don't lie.
0: This is crazy, bro.
1: Wait, is The Rock in some of them? Yes. Is he? I feel okay. Okay, then I need to Everyone's watch in those this movie. because I love yes. Dwayne.
0: Let me just tell you the cast for this new one. It's gotten okay. larger than life. I'm so ready. it has Vin Diesel, Jason Momoa, Rita Moreno, what? Jason Statham, Cardi B, The Rock, Brie Larson.
1: Cardi B? It's wild. Oh, my God. I know. I, I know. love Brie. I'm excited to see what she's doing. And Jason Statham... The transporter, like I've loved him from way back. Oh yeah! So that makes me even oh, yeah. more hyped to see it. Yeah, and Charlize too, right? Like, I, yes.
0: Charlize with the black lady braids. Remember that <laughs> when they brought her on? She had the she had the Derek, and I was like, I don't know
1: if I'm okay oh with this, God, but I love not you. Not the poetic justice on Charlize.
0: <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> I will say. At this point with this franchise, I don't care if it's good or bad. I care that it's there. Yeah. I need a multi culty overpaid cast saying, we are family. I'm good. That's all I need. Yes. Follow-up, do you like it question uh, about Jason Momoa. In this Mm. film, Jason Momoa plays a villain, and his villain character is kind of androgynous and gender nonconforming. Some people are wondering if he's queer-coded in the film. Some people are not okay with it, I guess, or are okay what? with it. Ugh. How much do we care, worry, bother, need to know whether or not his character is queer or whatever?
1: Well, I think for... Us queers, it's always nice to be like, okay, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs)
0: Like, I see you, sis. Representation
1: of low. So that is fun for us. It's, you know, it's nuts to me is like that people would be mad because, like, we're not going to see him bone anybody, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a family film. So, like, film. truly, yeah.
1: it's all you're going to see. Like, listen, it's like, oh, my God, I can't, he can't be non-binary or he can't want to have sex with dudes, but I'm perfectly fine watching him blow people up. Like, that shit there is you go. bonkers to me. Yeah.
0: I will say I sometimes don't know how I feel about a queer-coded character and if I mm-hmm. like that more than a fully out there queer character. Like, part of why mm. I loved Ursula and The Little Mermaid is because she was giving you lesbian but never said it. And that was almost yeah. more fun. I admit that in the past I've been a nasty. They weren't kidding when they called me, well, a witch. But you'll find that nowadays
1: I've mended all my ways, repented, seen the light, and made a switch. True, <laughs>
0: yes. Yeah.
1: Yes, she's a lesbian for sure. I have a big Ursula tattoo.
0: (laughs) Wait, really? Stop. Where on your body? (laughs) Yeah,
1: on my hand. On my left hand, it's a giant (laughs) Ursula tattoo. (laughs) Yes, indeed.
0: I love it. I love it. Also, besides just being ready for the absurdity of this film, I, like, it's going to be an absurd, absurd film. Yes. I'm also ready to, like, be entering summer blockbuster season. I yes. the, Personally, I love going to the movies, and I feel like we haven't had a fully robust summer blockbuster season since the pandemic began. And we got a lot of good things going on. I just saw the new Guardians of the Galaxy. How was We got was this it? X coming. Oh, it was really good. Good. They're always too long. All these movies are too long. But let me tell you something. You get this—the backstory of the raccoon—and <gasps> it really ma- it makes you weep. Oh, I cried tears for this raccoon. I'm so
1: excited. Okay, I'm gonna see it someday. I'm gonna make
2: great machines that fly, and me and my friends are gonna go flying together into the forever and beautiful sky.
0: It's like Chris Pratt who, no, it's the raccoons movie. It's the raccoons movie and it's emotional.
1: (laughs) I'm excited. But
0: like you got Guardians, you got Fast X, you got this Barbie movie. It's going to be a summer blockbuster season. I'm so ready for it. It is
1: so exciting. Like that's, I mean, you know, everything still sort of has like a, you know, the ghost of the bad part of the pandemic kind of like hanging around. But I feel like, going to the movies in the summer to see a huge movie will, like, kind of break that up a little bit. Like, it'll feel... It'll make things feel more alive again. Exactly. Which is exciting.
0: Let's say they invite you to join the cast of Fast and Furious 11. (laughs) What is your character, and what does she drive?
1: Okay, my character is... Um... (laughs) Uh, a stay-at-home wife to The Rock, but with no children or responsibilities. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: And she...
0: Stay-at-home mom with no kids. And while he's out, like, fighting
1: bad guys, she's like driving her Subaru SUV.
0: Like the sports mode one where it's all zippy and peppy or just the regular one? Just
1: the regular one. <laughs> like she's the one with the, <laughs> the sensible car who's like, you guys, stop speeding. Like that's, that's
0: me. <laughs> <laughs> Would watch. Would watch. <laughs> all right. Next, Samantha Irby, are you into or not into Martha Stewart becoming the oldest woman ever to appear on the cover of the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition that happened this week.
1: Uh, That's incredible. I didn't know that because I'm allergic to news, but I'm into it. I mean, I wish she had her titties out. Like, (laughs) let's have more 80-year-olds in swimsuit magazines naked. I just... The more we see changing bodies, I'm you know, it's like crazy that we, it's sort of like everyone you see is like 22 and taught, which is fine. But it's also like. And even like,
0: photoshopped on top of being taught. We, yeah. It's
1: going to happen to us all, right? We're all going to get old and shit's going to fall apart. Like, let's see it mm-hmm. so that it feels less like, freakish or unfortunate when it happens to us. Like, if we just saw more naked old people. Oh, totally. We, I mean, sorry, Martha, I don't mean to say old. Seasoned. <laughs> seasoned.
0: Seasoned. If we, like, yes. if
1: all of our meat eventually gets seasoned, why not like, look at it on the menu.
0: Enjoy a spicy <laughs> steak. Enjoy a marinated steak. <laughs> She's 81 <Yes>. years old. <laughs> a dry, aged, yes.
1: aged There you very go. aged Wagyu steak. Wagyu ribeye.
0: <laughs> Martha Stewart is 81 years old. Uh, she said of the honor of the magazine cover... I don't think about age very much, but I thought that this is kind of historic. It is, Martha. Also, yes. so you know they do four covers, and you know, multiple covers for the Swimsuit Edition. Also on a cover was Kim Petras, the pop star, who becomes the second ever trans person to be on the cover of a Swimsuit Edition.
1: That's amazing. So dare I
0: say Sports Illustrated got it right?
1: Man, I didn't know that Sports Illustrated was so progressive.
0: Yo, I don't ever want to like... Give a round of applause to Sports Illustrated, but yeah, y'all did good this year. I don't yes. know. Is that, I, it feels weird because it's like yeah. I put the swimsuit issue of this magazine in the same category as like the very idea of like Barbie. Like its inception <laughs> yeah. is sexist, patriarchal, racist, and not respecting of all kinds of bodies. But the idea endures. And over time, it gets more and more woke. So I guess I like that.
1: It's just like anything to move the needle forward, I will embrace. And like, here's the thing. The old stuff doesn't have to go away. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the idea now, or I don't know if it's an idea, but it feels like pervasive. Is like the thing I don't like should not exist. Which everyone doesn't like something, right? So then we would have nothing. And so, I don't love that, but I do love places trying to be more inclusive, even if it's cynical. Even if Sports Illustrated is just like, yeah. I want to get those 80 year old dollars, mm-hmm. I think it's a net positive for us as a society. <laughs> Martha, <laughs> what do you think? I, I like that picture.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I, I would think
0: so. All right, think- last question for you for the game Are we into or not into this new phenomenon happening on TikTok, which The Guardian reported on, Uh, it seems as if the reality show Love Island is responsible for giving Gen Z fake British accents. (laughs) I'm not even lying.
3: I was up all
2: night watching Love Island, so I'm absolutely knackered. I think I need some coffee or tea. Shall we order? I would like to get a cuppa.
1: Okay. I did not know this because even though I have, like, I have TikTok so that when people send me links, I can, you know, like, see them. But I I don't participate. But I am into that. I mean, (laughs) I think it's so funny. It feels like harmless fun. Are you about to tell me why it's not harmless fun? I'm
0: going to tell you why it's even more harmless. It's actually a pretty safe coping mechanism. So this article in The Guardian says that young people are posting these videos of themselves using a fake British accent when they're stressed out or dealing with low-key drama. And they're saying that using the accent gives them some confidence or pizzazz or even some calm as they're dealing with the Daily annoyances of life.
2: What a muppet! Bloody hell! So
0: it's like, all right, you're in a long line, of stressed out. Go into British accent. Your flight got canceled, and you got to just like make peace with it. Go into a British accent. It's it's to cope. To which I say, if Love Island <laughs> can help anybody cope with anything, <laughs> hats off to all parties involved.
1: The kids are fucking figuring it out for themselves, aren't they? My god. Yes.
0: Yes. But this is actually not the first time this has happened. Uh, There were reports maybe three or four years ago that small children, after watching a bunch of Peppa Pig, this children's cartoon, they were developing British accents. (gasps) To which I say, oh my God, that is the cutest thing.
1: Yes, it's adorable. I'm Peppa Pig. This is my little brother George.
0: What accent do you use when you're really stressed?
1: Uh, I am not a good accent person, but I love a good, like, Australian nerd. Mm. You know?
0: I've been to that. I've been to that. I can't
1: say anything more than that, but, like, nerd is...
0: (laughs) Nerd. Yes. Nerd always (laughs) works. My favorite. I will say, when I'm really stressed, the church kid comes out. And before I know it, I'm talking like the minister and coming to America, and I'm just like, "Oh Lord!" I, like from the depths of my childhood. Oh my
1: God, I love Pentecostal that. Pentecostal church
0: kid comes out and it's just like, Bleh! Oh, "I love that." That
1: takes me right back to the it's church something. basement in 1984.
0: Yep. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> Man, trigger warning. <laughs> On that note, we have come to the end of this game, and I gotta say, and I expected this, on all counts, I agree with you. I agree with you on all of the things. You're a winner.
1: This is the biggest honor of my life.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Samantha, we gotta take a break. When we come back, can we talk about your book? Okay. Yes. All right, taking a break. When we come back, book chat. But first, listeners, you know the drill. I'm not gonna give you the big spiel this time. Oh, Samantha, you tell folks why they should listen to this show. You make the pitch. Go ahead.
1: Into It is a show hosted by a fiercely talented, incredibly smart, kind and empathetic person, and he brings on the coolest people you've ever heard of in your life like yeah. me. And you should listen to it. You should have your mom listen to it. Tell your dad. Tell your siblings. Tell your cousins. Wake your man up and tell him, tell everyone to listen to it.
0: There we go. Wake your man up, Samantha Irby said. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Sweetie, get up.
1: There's a podcast I need you to listen to.
3: Calling all female runners. It's time to lace up and join Team Milk. Plus, it's one of the best beverages for hydration, even better than water. The same electrolytes that are added to many of your favorite sports drinks are found naturally in milk. And in 2024, Team Milk is taking the next step to empower female runners by launching the only women's marathon in the U.S. designed for and by women. Built to be accessible, empowering, and community-building, the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16, 2024. You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com.
0: All right, Samantha Irby, let's talk about your book. As I've already said, I've been reading this thing every night and— fighting back the laughter. It's just that good. To start, tell our listeners what the book is called and what it's about. The book is called Quietly
1: Hostile. The shortest way to describe it is it is about my uh, neuroses, which I am very good at turning into jokes that you can laugh.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs)
1: So it's about me and all the dumb stuff I do, and it's a good time.
0: I, (laughs) it's like, I describe it, like like when I tell folks about your writing, I'm like, humor essays that make things that you would never think could be funny for anybody, it makes them (laughs) insanely hilarious. Insanely hilarious. I mean, like, even just the whole like you can talk about your bowels in ways that are humorous. <laughs> your bowels. You know, like that. Yes. And like you have a chronic illness, you have Crohn's disease, and that shit is hard. Yeah. And you you but you're right about it. And I'm like, this is the funniest thing I've ever read in my life. <laughs> How do you do it? <laughs> How do you do it? How do
1: you do it? I think I am the kind of person who like, even when a serious thing happens or a bad thing happens, it's like, I've got five minutes of serious in me. And then I'm like, okay, okay, but let's talk about what's funny about this. Right? I just am a clown. I have clown blood. I just want to like, get back to the joke. And And obviously it's a coping mechanism, you know, like it's easier to have problems when you can make fun of those problems. But it's always been my tendency to just be like, "Okay, this is a terrible situation. What is the little like kernel of humor I can like mine from this?
0: What's the last thing on your life that you got a kernel out of?
1: Oh, my God. Okay, I'm going to sound like a fucking baby, but (laughs) last night I had, so I've been in New York for a few days. Last night I had a gig in Philly, and like a guy drove me to Philly and back, and we came back to New York. And when I got here, well, I learned this later, but the battery that in the little thing that you hold your key card up to, that battery died. The little key
0: tap for the hotel door. Yes. Ooh. So I go down
1: to, like, have them refresh the key. And they're looking at me like I'm the dumbest person on earth, like I don't know how to work the key. But they give me a new key. Come back up. Try it again. Nothing. Go back down. They call a security guard <laughs> to... Uh, <laughs> Escort me up to the room to make sure I'm tapping the key correctly. Oh, the
0: disrespect. Like,
1: I know. I was in my mind, I'm like, I'm 43 years old. I can do it. So I had to go sit in the lobby for an hour while they overrode the whole system to fix oh my, gosh. my door. And like, at first, I was furious, but then I was like, well, at least. I don't have to poop. You know what I mean? Like, at least (laughs) there's no bullet in the chamber. And I just burst out laughing (laughs) like in the middle of the 2 a.m. lobby because otherwise I would have cried. But luckily, I thought about the silver lining of uh, not needing to move my bowels at that moment. And I had a chuckle.
0: What more can we ask for in this life? (laughs) stable bowels and a chuckle. Come on. I want to talk about a specific chapter in your book, which both my editor and I love. Uh, And it's beautifully meta. The essay is called Oh, so you actually don't want to make a show about a horny fat bitch with diarrhea? Okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) glad you love that one it is so I was nervous about it because it is so long and it like needs to be considering what I was trying to do but when I turned it into my editor she was like are you out of your mind? (laughs) And then immediately, like, cut 2,000 words. Wait, it was even longer.
0: (laughs) I want the extended cut. I want the extended cut.
1: And then my agent cut 500 more. And I was (laughs) like, you guys...
0: You let your agency copy. Are my children. Wow! Please. You're nice. <laughs> How do we set this chapter up for our listeners? Okay, I'll try. So you've been. This is not your first book, and one of your previous books of essays had been optioned to become a TV show. I want to say FX was developing it. But before they, like, give you a full season, they kind of make you write a show, then they kind of make you make a pilot of it. But at that point, they can decide if they want to make it or not. And unfortunately, they had to go all the way to pilot, and then were like, nah, actually, no. Was that correct? <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> and then we, I did it again with Comedy Central, but at least that time we got to, like, shoot a little mini pilot. But like the thing about it that I think one of the things that is my favorite, but also makes me want to cry in that essay is the list of things that happened while I was in this process of trying to make a show.
0: Yeah.
1: Because it's like, this is not just like a month of your life. These are years of your life. (laughs) going by while you are kind of like in Hollywood purgatory I'm like I'm counting the birthdays <laughs> <laughs> and it's like why what am I doing like this is terrible and also I think people love like the idea but when it comes to like am I going to put this explosive diarrhea scene on television week after week (laughs) ultimately they were like yeah
0: Yeah. no (laughs) we're not doing that we're not yeah so the character of you in this show that never made it is basically a an up-and-coming blogger writer who's trying to make that happen but also has a day job in a bakery yes and so it's kind of like almost half workplace comedy, you and the other folks at the bakery, but also you are in the Hannah Horvath sh- <laughs> school yeah. trying to become a writer, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, What was it like having to pick and choose the person who plays you? Uh,
1: most uncomfortable experience of my life right up there with getting my picture taken, (laughs) but maybe worse because, okay, so, like, I have to clarify that these actors are, like, incredible, right? Except they were reading words I'd written, which Mm -hmm. is humiliating, (laughs) and it was clear that some of them have, like, studied how I talk and, like, my hands... And watching someone imitate <laughs> my hand motion, I mean, it was yeah. the most humbling and horrifying experience I've ever had.
0: If you got the chance again to make a TV show about your life and you were guaranteed at least one season, would you do it? Because <laughs> it sounds stressful as hell. No. Wow. Okay. No, I would okay. not. Okay.
1: <laughs> and let me tell you, okay. Like, when we started this process, like, seven years ago or however long, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I, uh, maybe the internet was different or I just didn't know. Mm
0: -hmm. But,
1: like, I wasn't aware of how much, like, people talk about TV shows, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I did not think about, America tearing apart my actual life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But then, so a couple years ago, I worked on the first season of the Sex and the City reboot and um, got to see (laughs) the backlash of (laughs) all those people. Yes. And I was like, oh, these are fictional characters, and I feel like I'm going to cry. I cannot have anyone talk about actual me this way. Mm. I'm like, nobody reads books, so, like, you know, I've been spared. But, like, <laughs> TV, everybody watches and talks about TV. That's
0: true. And I was yeah. like,
1: I could never. People will say anything. Oh, my God.
0: Listen, just Google Che Diaz. Oh, The response, the backlash. Seriously,
1: I don't know, like, how, I mean, I hope Sada Ramirez didn't take it personally, but, like, the vitriol, and again, for a person who does not exist. Doesn't
0: exist. I was like, oh, no,
1: no. Let me just work on other people's shows (laughs) so that no one ever does this to the TV version of me.
0: So then... Between writing for TV, which you do, and writing books, which do you like better, just in terms of the writing?
1: Hmm. They are, okay, they're different. Mm-hmm. TV is so collaborative. Yeah. Uh, I don't, what's a non-loser way to say this? I I still am, like, getting my sea legs with TV writing, right? Okay. The thing about TV writing, though, is, like, once you turn your script in, it goes to, like, 75 Mm -hmm. other people Mm -hmm. who, like, Mm -hmm. change it and switch Mm -hmm. things around. I mean, I guess with TV, too, like, I mean, one thing about working on that show was like it became obvious that nobody knows how tv works. <laughs> yeah. In my episode of the first season of and just like that, Carrie is in a hospital bed wearing pearls.
2: Um yeah, I can't wait. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um well, is there a uh, like a bedpan? How dare
1: you. <laughs> and I got a message from a woman berating me. And telling me how impractical it was that Carrie was wearing pearls in the hospital. Let
0: me tell you what's impractical: the entire (laughs) conceit of Sex in the City, baby. Uh,
1: Okay.
0: Right. Like she bought. She was a blogger with a condo in New York.
1: Come on. Was that real to you? (laughs)
0: Like, give
1: me a fucking break. Yeah. But then I was like, "Ma'am, my work on the show ended months."
0: Before
1: they had carry on that soundstage in Pearls. Also, it's a show. (laughs)
0: Either watch it or don't. There you go. There you go. But
1: seriously, it's like they don't... Trust me, if you saw how I dressed, you would know that nobody's coming to me for wardrobe (laughs) tips.
0: Samantha Irby. You bring so much joy to me. Thank you for the book. Thank you for this conversation. Keep doing you. I love it. Come back anytime.
1: Sam, you are welcome. You bring me so much joy. Thank you for having me.
0: You have to write another book of essays, uh, but it has to be about someone other than yourself. It can be a real person or a made up person. Who is the topic of this book of essays, and what's the name of that book?
1: The subject is Forrest Whitaker.
0: <sighs> Ooh. Wait. Yes.
1: But now I'm thinking maybe Judge Greg Mathis. <laughs> yes,
0: right? please. Yes, please, yes. <laughs> okay, okay. Mathis is the topic. Judge Greg yes.
1: Mathis, my next subject, mm-hmm. and it is called... Bang my gavel!
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> done.
1: And there are um, erotic essays. Oh, yeah.
0: okay. sign me up! <laughs> I'm there.
2: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have. VAN29.com
0: Culture Geist. Culture Geist. You're listening to Culture Geist.
2: Culture Geist. I don't know, y'all. And now for a segment we're calling Culture Geist. Culture Geist. About all the things we can't stop thinking about. The culture that's haunting you, haunting me. Haunting all of us,
4: for better or
5: worse. Hey Sam, it's me. Um, my culturegeist is an intergenerational culturegeist. Um, circa a 2010 video of a comedian dressed like Chloe Sevigny. Good evening, America.
1: I'm Chloe Sevigny.
5: There are a series of these videos, but in one of them, Chloe says, Hello, America. I'm Chloe Savigny. And it's come to my attention that I love toast.
1: It's recently come to my attention that I love toast. There's a simple process to create a toast. Start with one personal package of King's Hawaiian sweetbread.
5: And... Then for the last 13 years, not only me, my wife, my sister, my mother, my cousins, my little nieces and nephews, everyone now calls any form of toasted bread a toast.
1: I love toast.
5: I am quite sure that my eight-year-old nephew has no idea where this comes from, only that that is what you call toasted bread. And... It occurred to me this morning as I was eating my toast that that is my culture, geist. Eat, dance, eat,
1: mmm, rich bread.
4: Hi, my name is Kim. My culture, Geist, is inspired by the episode that y'all did on spoilers, and it also deals with Harry Potter, which is something that I've distanced myself from that author's transphobia she ruined a lot um, and is ruining a lot of lives right now. But I am haunted by some graffiti that I saw immediately after the release of book six of Harry Potter, and then also book seven. This was in East Memphis. It was on a bridge that I had passed a million times. Just so happened to look at the bridge, you know, as you're looking out the car window, not long after book six came out, couldn't have been more than a couple of days. And I saw this graffiti. And luckily I had finished the book because the graffiti said, Snape kills Dumbledore. And then, very similar situation, couldn't have been more than a day or two after the release of book seven, passed by that same bridge, and it said, Fred dies, not Harry. And I am haunted by this because I absolutely love that there is a human in this world who read those books quickly enough to go out there and graffiti this bridge with this pertinent plot information. I would just like to meet this person. I just wanna know who is the person at the Venn diagram between those two seemingly disparate uh, character traits? Hi Sam, this is
6: Phil from Brooklyn. My Culture Geist is a famous 2012 NBC Super Bowl commercial where the cast of seemingly every single NBC show sang the Brotherhood of Man from How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying.
2: Jack, I gotta say, I'm surprised you're throwing a Super Bowl party for us. Don't you usually watch with your fancy pants friends?
1: Clark and Martha Fancy Pants are at their son's trial in Aruba, but this is a big night for NBC Lemon and I thought we should all share in it together.
6: The whole commercial is—it starts on the set of Thirty Rock, and it's like this in-joke of Alec Baldwin playing Jack Donaghy, talking about how they needed Super Bowl commercial.
4: We're all in this together. Now you're a hippie dilettante, and I'm a one percenter.
2: What's happening? Why are you singing?
4: And you may.
6: It's think very no weird. It then flips to pretty much every single NBC cast singing a part of the song. Something that feels extremely cursed to me still is how many people are part of this video that now we look back or we even knew then, and we were like, this is bad. Like it, like there's Matt Lauer and Donald Trump and CeeLo Green and like Crystal And it's just, it, I mean, like, I don't know what's happening. We're in. The stars of The Voice, who arguably can sing the best, like Christina Aguilera, do not sing. There was a Vanity Fair article about it 10 years later, looking back, and they talked about how many people refused to do it. Um, how when they asked like Alec Baldwin for comment, he said, quote, I don't know what you're talking about.
3: So that's our new thing, brotherhood?
1: Absolutely. And what better night for the millions watching to fall in love with the NBC family. And
4: if they don't, I'm going to fire about two thirds of these people before the game is over. Now sing.
6: What I'm particularly obsessed with, there's two things that I think about all the time. One is there are certain actors or stars who are clearly into it and are like having fun and are trying their best. And then there are others who are so actively miserable and it's coming through. And then there are people who do their singing and dancing in character, like the cast of Parks and Rec, they are all being their characters in how they sing. And then there's four stars of the cast of Parenthood who are just being themselves and they're not even on their set. They're like in the lot and it's like, just Zach Shepard and Lauren Graham and, and Erica Christensen and Peter Kraza. and they're just like being themselves, but also they all look like confused. When it flashes to everyone from NBC, there's like Andy Samberg, who's clearly going all out in like a mocking way. I can watch this commercial every single day and like a Renaissance painting, find one person to fix in on and try to identify how they're feeling about the moment. If they're excited, if they're mocking, if they've ever heard of this musical, if they know that they're in a Super Bowl ad. It's like a portrait of people's souls being sold out in real time and what it means to work for a major network. And it was also directed by the Oscar award winner, the Taika It is the richest text we have. And I think about it all the time. Thanks, Sam.
0: Thanks again to Phil, Kim, and Rebecca. Listeners, do you have a culture, Geist? a thing in the culture that's been haunting you for days or weeks or even years, share it with us. The more specific you are, the better. Just send us a short voice memo via email. Intuit at vulture.com. Intuit at vulture.com. All right. Intuit is hosted by me, Sam Sanders. The show is produced by Janae West, Travis Larchuk, Gabby Grossman, Jelani Carter, and Taka Zen. Our fearless editor is Jordana Hochman. Our engineer is Daniel Turek. Our music is composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. And the executive producer of audio at Vox Media is Nishat Kurwa. All right, listeners, we are back next Tuesday with a brand new episode. Till then, be good to yourselves. All right, bye.